Hello and welcome to LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. This is the podcast that takes you backstage with the London Philharmonic Orchestra and its musicians. In this episode, which is all about touring, I'm joined by Sue Thomas, who plays the flute, tuba player Lee Tsarmaklis, and last but not least, tour manager Grace Coe. Welcome, Sue, Grace and Lee. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Now, at the time of recording this, of course, tour hasn't really been a part of 2020 for any of us and I'm sorry to hear your autumn tour in Germany was cancelled but let's go back to when you were touring. I'm going to start with you first Grace, tour manager of the LPO and I've heard you referred to as the player's nanny. Is this how you feel and how true is this? I'm going right in. (laughs) I'm seeing some nods and smiles from musicians but how do you feel about it Grace? Well I've had it described as as cat sitter <laughs> I don't know which is worse um, it's sort of like herding cats really um, but yeah I mean you know it's fun cat or babysitting whichever you want to call it there's quite a lot of you know just having to shout over like a group of people sometimes we tour with like 100 people so it's just wow. inevitable that I get a bit bossy sorry guys <laughs> never notice Grace <laughs> never notice yeah <laughs> For those of the listeners that don't understand what a tour manager does, could you just let us know what your job entails? I mean, obviously, there is the thing of looking after everyone on tour, but actually my job starts way earlier than that, kind of two, three years in advance of the tour. So, um, you know, like a request or kind of inquiry comes in. I work with the artistic director and the concerts director on the actual like preparing of the quotes and programme and getting artist availabilities and then going through to kind of, you know, when things are a bit more firm in terms of dates and venue, then going on to kind of contract stage and like, you know, booking flights for the group, the hotels, and then getting to the like really nitty gritty details of the scheduling, you know, like what time we have the rehearsal and how long for, kind of everything from A to Z really. And Sue, we're speaking a lot about behind the scenes here. And for you on the flute there as a musician, are you just thinking about the music? Does any of this kind of organisation come into your mind to think, wow, I just am personally glad that I don't have to do any of the organisational <laughs> things that Grace does because I can't believe the sort of the the elements that have to balance. It's like a, you know, a pack of cards, a house of cards, because if one element drops out, then a tour they've been working on for three years drops and yeah. then all the work that Grace has done and the LPO. But when you're actually on tour, I, I just rely on Grace, who I have to say, because you can't... Obviously, nobody can see her here. Well, we can. Yes. But you yes. say the nanny... She's incredibly youthful, but I think of her like a a wise old lady in the positive sense, because if I don't know anything like, Grace, where are the toilets? That's the only reason I thought Grace was at backstage is, where are the toilets? Where are the toilets? Have you got my money? And my favourite Grace moment is when we went to Japan a few years ago and how she managed to get an entire orchestra on and off bullet trains, the Shinkansen. Is it the Shinkansen? I don't know how she did that. We didn't have suitcases. That was one thing she didn't have. I have to kind of cut in just because I feel like somebody is going to listen to this. That was actually Sophie, not me. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Lee, I'm loving this conversation because I'm just hearing countries just being thrown like, yeah, it was just around the corner. Yeah, just over there. I mean, tell me about the amount of places that the LPO goes on this planet. Everywhere. Yeah, the LPO, you know, goes around the world basically we've been to north america south america 
all over Europe, China, Japan, Australia, Taiwan. I mean, every continent. How much of it do you get to see? Or is it always sort of airport, stage door and back to the airport? Or do you actually get to see some of these places? Depends on the tour. Some mm. tours we have, you know, quite a bit of time off. We might be in one city for three or four nights. So, oh, yeah. and therefore you, you, you might not say when we go to New York, we're there maybe three nights or four nights. I think the yes. last time we were there for four nights and we had three concerts, I think. So you're pretty much free during the day to do whatever you want. Some people go climbing mountains, some people go whatever, you know, people are into different things. Um, and some of us just stay in bed most mornings. You say some of us, what do you prefer to do? <laughs> well, before I had what children, you... I, I would probably um, go out and enjoy myself. But now I just, I quite enjoy resting, actually. It's a chance to sleep, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know whether seeing... that's true. No, it's not. I'm, well, I'm suspicious. Tell me all. Well, the thing I can is... see Sue shaking her head. I so, have... Sue, this is I... your moment. Well, I just have to say, well, because we're both T's, I've, yes. Well, we've joined at the same time. We did a German tour. I was either 2000 or 2001. Two, 2001, I think it was, something like that. 2001 was when we'd passed our probation and, oh. and gone on tour together. And the thing is with Lee, because I'm a T, I often sit next to him for the entire long-haul flight. <laughs> and then we're often at the hotel, if we manage to make it to there... We're in the rooms next to each other. No and Leeds is still likes to enjoy himself on tour. He does he's a terrible sleeper as well. He's one person I can rely on for bad jet lag, somebody to be up in the oh. morning to go for coffee when everybody else is sleeping or everyone else is sleeping on the plane. So he's my go to. I guess the fact that you're with people as well is quite a bonus. But Sue, do you enjoy touring? Well, it's a mixture. I obviously enjoy touring because I get to sit next to Lee for so much of it. Um, and we always share films. We watch the same film together to the, down to the very second on a kind of a 10-hour flight. It's a mixture of things. It's really nice to get away where you don't have to do your washing or yep. do the school run. But then, same as Lee, I have an 11-year-old and I found that harder to leave her. Yeah. Regardless of what age, when she was, I did my first tour when she, on her first birthday, thankfully, I don't think she really knew, to Berlin for two nights, and it's the best sleep I've ever had. And I generally <laughs> don't sleep on tour, so it was epic. Everyone yes. was complaining about the hotels apart from me, but we did a two and a half week tour in Brooklyn, and we stayed in the same hotel, which is amazing. Yeah. My daughter wouldn't speak to me on FaceTime, and everybody was FaceTiming or Skyping in. Yes. In the foyer, I found that hard, but I have to say it is nice as well just to think about yourself for a tiny bit of time and to go away with such epic friends like Lee and have somebody looking after us like the Guardian that Grace is. <laughs> so, that, that is true, that is the bittersweet nature of it, isn't it? Yeah, in fact, I married Sue's best friend. Oh, well, well one 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 that that's, that's the tour we're not going to mention in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> the lift in Abu Dhabi, because I thought we'd probably keep it clean. Sue Thomas, keep, come on, stomp. So Sue's husband was, was principal trombone of the London Philharmonic. Uh, so he gave me the job in 2000. He was a very good friend of mine before he got together with Sue. Very close. And our daughters are good friends. Mm. Oh, so, brilliant. Yeah, so. Oh, that's good. So they can they can support each other when you're all away. That's exactly. good. <laughs> and how do you prepare for a tour, uh, both musically and getting ready to, to make the journey, Lee? Musically, there's normally a couple of days of rehearsals 
and a concert, I think, most of the time at our home uh, festival hall. Not always the case, depending on uh, how the tour fits into our schedule. And then if we haven't done that, we'll probably get somewhere, have a rehearsal on the... We leave in the morning, we gather in the afternoon, we have a rehearsal early evening and a concert. Yeah. Uh, and then the first concert is not really a sort of, you know, trial. Everyone sort of goes for it. We're all a bit tired anyway, so you just go for it, see what happens. And then you adjust your plane as, as the tour progresses. In terms of going away, you mean like packing and stuff like that? I mean, for me, it's very easy. I open up my wardrobe, I get the biggest suitcase I've got, and I shove everything in it. <laughs> everything. Everything. It doesn't matter if it's winter, summer. This it explains does, a lot, Lee. It doesn't yeah, matter. I know. What about baggage allowance? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I don't have many clothes, you know, so it's, it's, I'll just shove everything in there and, and, and my cribbage board, which is a game that we play on the back of the bus. Bus three. Oh, what board, sorry? A cribbage. Cribbage board. Cribbage oh, what board. is the game of cribbage? Cribbage is a card game. Aha. Uh-huh. And it's the London Philharmonic official card game. <laughs> now I'm getting to the nitty gritty. I see. Play- and now we start talking about bus three. And then we play. But with bus three, you see, in the old days, bus three would have been a smoker's bus. And of course, oh. now smoking is banned, but there's still the same sort of characters, shall I say, <laughs> that hang, hang out. Just less smoke. Yes, exactly. On bus three. And we it's normally. Uh, there's a sort of motley crew. We've got to know each other over the years very well, and uh, and our habits. <laughs> Absolutely, I guess you have to really, don't you? Do you know how much space to give each other? Um, and Grace, how many buses are there? Because I guess there's how many people tour at the same time? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of usually we'd go with kind of an eighty people group. Um, that's wow. kind of our standard size. So in that case, we would have three buses. I mean, sometimes okay. we go with like a much smaller group, and then we might just go down to two. But it's usually wow. three. That's why Lee always ends up in bus three. <laughs> in bus three, <laughs> and of course, at the moment we're all. Grounded. We're all at home. There is a, that silver lining of having that that family time. But are you missing touring at the moment, Sue? Mixture of both. Yes, it's yeah. nice to go away. It's nice to go to different venues. There are some amazing concert halls. We've played opening a concert hall in Singapore, Hong Kong, the Carnegie Hall. Oh. I mean, generally, everywhere we play in Germany, the halls are extraordinary because, especially as a flute player, you have to work particularly hard in the festival hall to project and some of these halls are just extraordinary and we go away with conductors and soloists so it is it is bittersweet and not being able to go on bus three grace is always funny (laughs) because there's a certain group of people that go on bus three i was a bus two girl and then i couldn't bear (laughs) (laughs) yeah well about 15 years ago it's a long time i can just remember in my ailing memory that but 15 years ago i used to go on bus two with some of the flutes and some of the horns, you know, when there were different members in the orchestra. And we used to have to bag seats. And I remember when there's a really lovely lady using the first violins called Tina. And she'd practically taken all her clothes off to bags six seats on bus two because it was her turn. And oh, I thought, wow. I'm not having that stress. So I decided I, I changed to bus three, which I thought was easier because basically, I know I shouldn't say this, but it's the farting and singing bus. <laughs> So on long trips, like a six hour, when you go from the north and the south of Germany rather than to the next city, because poor Grace hasn't been able to, you know, like depends when the halls want you. Yeah. Lots of people don't want to go on bus three and they all have their certain seats at the back. Lee always sits in the same seat. Oh, yes. 
but I do miss the singing on bus three. Actually, but this bus three sounds like a hoot. I tell you, <laughs> wow! Yeah, we you all need a chance you, to go on bus you, three. Yeah, I tell you what, Yolanda, if you ever come away with us, you've got to go to the back of bus three, but make sure you don't sit in somebody's seat because they'll let well, you. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah right. Yolanda, I'm you can come and sit next to me. He's fine. Well, <laughs> I'm great at card games, <laughs> so yeah, no I'll come and sit with you. <laughs> oh, and do you miss it, Lee? How are you feeling about you not know, being on the road? I'm just going to check. My family's not listening. <laughs> I, I really miss it. <laughs> I really miss touring. I love touring anyway. I've, I, I've been a professional musician since 1991. You don't wow. say. And, uh, yeah, and you look at that. Still got my hair, my teeth. It still looks great. You know, yeah, I wouldn't tell. 52 years old. and No, but I really get excited when, they, when a tour appears on our, on our schedule. I almost search for my passport months before Straight we go. Straight away. And I've Aww. always been the same. I've always loved it. I always thought it's such a bonus because my family are not musical at all and nobody's been anywhere, you know. And, and to, get, to get a chance to go to Santori Hall in Tokyo or, you know, all these famous concerts, San Francisco, yeah. Los Angeles, I still find it after all these years such a bonus. Mm. Yeah, you know? totally um, understand and, But I also really, it's so easy in a way because Grace does all the hard work. <laughs> we just we just sheep really we're just following this yeah. you know be on the bus at ten thirty in the morning i mean how difficult is that well apparently I'm quite difficult well, <laughs> some musicians i've yeah. met yeah. you but, should ask grace so, that difficult with certain people but yeah. i'm supposed to go home get up at quarter past six make breakfast you know what i mean yeah. and take the kids to school come back and then get the train back to <laughs> london and on tour you just wake up go to breakfast it's done for you you know yeah. get on the bus so play cards with your mates sing a few rude songs and do a concert. Can you imagine? None of that sounds like work at all, you know. And Grace, have you had that experience where, you know, you've lost a musician somewhere or sort of in their best intentions, they've gone ahead to the venue, but then got lost and you're looking for people? Yeah, I mean, it it does happen. I mean, the thing is, um, quite a lot of the times we go to the same kind of venues. We go to Madrid a lot. Um, Mm. So, you know, people are, our musicians are very used to going there. But then, you you know, you get the newbies and they have absolutely no idea because that that's the worst part because everyone else knows but like there'll be like one or two people who really don't know and they got really lost I mean you know it happens with artists as well because you know obviously I'm kind of the go-to person for our soloists and conductors I've had to go and pick someone up from like miles away I remember actually getting a call from violinist and I was just in one of those moments where I was like I really just need to eat something really cheap and dirty and I went of to McDonald's and, and you know as soon as I like actually got the, the food of course this violinist calls me going guys I don't know where it is and I really want you to come and find me it was like okay and then I just turn up and I'm just like rushing around and I'm, you know not even realizing I've got this McDonald's bag with me I'm like oh hi like, hello famous violinist and here I am with my McDonald's you know? oh, no. <laughs> oh you'll do anything for the musicians that's what I'm hearing in that story yeah. let's talk about the audiences as well what sort of countries give you grand applause what sort of countries are a bit more reserved I think probably Germany, Austria, their audience is very quiet, conservative, shall we say. You might go to Mexico City and the audience is there, much more lively. Spain, they like, uh, they have a lot of colds in Spain. They cough a lot. Uh, oh, goodness, I didn't think of that. And then um, in America, oh yeah, I remember one tour where our principal conductor, we were playing Tchaikovsky Six Symphony. Oh, yes. 
and it's a very, very loud ending in the third movement, and, and sometimes you get a ripple of applause after the third movement, which sort of spoils the mood for the fourth movement. So our conductor, uh-huh. Vladimir Yurovsky, did a little speech to the audience before we started. He said, look, uh, please don't applaud between the third and fourth movements, because um, oh, wow. we sort of lose the atmosphere of the piece. And uh, we got to the end of the third movement, and they didn't clap, but they started whooping. Oh no! It was quite funny. They did follow the rules. You know, and I mean, I don't blame them. They enjoyed it, you know. But at the same time, it's you get different different audiences. It is amazing. You can almost feel when the audience is on your side. You can feel the electricity. And on the dance stage, you can almost. It's it's funny. I remember doing when we were in Alicantia. They've got a new concert hall there. And I think they're not used to going to concerts. And I do remember watching somebody on their phone for the entire time. And we had Kavakos playing Sibelius Violin Concerto. And he's an amazing musician. I think it was Vladimir conducting. And um, all the way through this concert, I, I noticed one of the, the ladies, one of, uh, one of the ushers, she was telling people to be quiet um, walking down the steps, but then herself talking really oh, no. loudly and flicking her hair <laughs> during, and it was right in his eye line for the Sibelius. And I don't know why it's kind of overtiredness, probably not enough to eat. I probably hadn't bought an emergency sandwich for that concert <laughs> and had a banana as well, and I probably hadn't had enough coffee. She spoke for the entire time, even though she was telling other people. And at the end of the, when it got to the interval, I felt so incensed, probably due to tiredness. I went and spoke to her in very bad Spanish. And um, when I jumped off the edge of the stage to speak to her, still holding my instrument, she's a very beautiful lady and she was about twice as tall as me. And I just looked up at her and I had had to tell her, you were really noisy in that concert and and the soloist, but she took it really well. That's good. Oh, God. Well, it's an education, isn't it? Yeah, well done, you. We do feel a lot taller on stage, don't we? (laughs) Yes, especially when you're very short and well. How's your Spanish? You probably told her she had nice shoes or something. Muy bien. No. (laughs) Well, I I said a tiny bit in Spanish, then I launched into into Wenglish. So uh, only a small amount. Grace, favourite venue? Oh, favourite venue. Oh, well, this is just really biased. We went to Seoul Art Centre back in March 2019 and that's, you know, my hometown, you know, where, where I was born. So that was just so fantastic to be there with, with the LPO. That, that was very cool. Where do the musicians stay on tour? Is it a particular type of hotel that you provide? Are you at the mercy of the promoter sometimes? How does that work? I would say most of the time we kind of get suggestions of where to go um, and, you know, they book it for us. We do have a bit of a veto, but at the end of the day, they kind of know the the local area the best. So I do end up relying on what they recommend because, you know, I, I found with the hotels, you can make hotels look really nice online. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes. And is there like a, a minimum requirement of a hotel for the orchestra? Because, I mean, if the musicians aren't comfortable, that will affect how the tour proceeds surely yeah and we always ask for um a double bed as well um so we always ask for um you know what four star if possible (laughs) and a double bed because uh, it's especially like in in asian countries it's quite normal to just have one like single bed for one person but quite often it's not the bed that's the problem it's usually the size of the room they're really tiny so we always kind of insist that it has to be a double bed but for single occupancy Um, and every every musician stays by themselves no room sharing 
Uh, well, unless they're married <laughs> or, you know, or partners. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but even then we do tend to actually just get rooms even for, you know, married or, or you know, partners because you just never know. I always have that fear of like, what if one, one of them goes ill and we have yeah. to replace them? And then like, this poor person has to share the room with this other person. <laughs> with a dip, yeah. <laughs> has anyone done that? That's a good thought. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we just snip it in the bud by like just making sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and quite often, especially if they're string players, they're, they're practicing in their rooms anyway. So they do True. need separate spaces. Is it easy to tour in a group, Lee? Or do you sort of, and I, I get the sense that you are very social and you like that idea of being around people, but is it is it quite tricky at times to be in such a large group and do you sometimes just want to be alone yeah i think it depends i mean there's such a thing as a sort of mid-tour blues mm. you know where where if you're away for two weeks at some point you're gonna you want to need your own space for a couple of days or or or, or might not uh, and also musicians we're very good at reading other people so if for example i walk past sue and she ignores me i won't talk to her <laughs> well you know oh, when to give us space exactly <laughs> or, you know if somebody's reading the newspaper when the old days like that you know they got their head buried in it you just don't talk to them you know yes. um it, it's i think it's a sort of unwritten rule really you you'll give each other a bit of space mm. uh and Grace, with that sort of mid-tour blues and, you know, so much now we're, we're talking about mental health and mental well-being. Have you had it where like a musician has said, you know, I really can't continue. This is too tricky. Can you get me home? Or times when you've had to get somebody home in the middle of a tour? Well, not because of um, kind of mental health or, you know, because they missed home. But mm. I do actually have to agree. I, um, just coming back on the mid, um, mid-tour mid blues, I don't know if you guys think this as well, but like among the management staff, we always say it's day four. Day four is the hardest. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like, because some, sometimes you kind of look around and everyone just looks exhausted. And then I go... It's day four. It's day four. That's why. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. And then so if it, if it makes it kind of makes it easier because like it's fine because tomorrow everyone will have, like will pick up again so it's yeah. fine. Um. But but yeah no I mean thankfully I I haven't had to kind of you know help somebody get home because of mental health issues but um you know people do go ill on tour I've had to um send someone back from Taiwan which was you know a really long way away um yeah. you know uh, due to like medical emergency and that that was really tough because as a tour manager we're kind of like there you know when they need us and then like I kind of just had to put him on the plane it had to like change in Hong Kong as well because that was the the next flight I could get and I was just thinking is he gonna be okay like I just wanted to be there but obviously I had to look after the group so it wasn't just like oh could you be like bye guys I'm just going home now (laughs) (laughs) and then my question for always for a tour manager is you've done all of that prep got them on stage they're all packing down and it's now probably about 11 o'clock 12 o'clock at night there's no food places open but 80 people are now starving they've only had the special banana before the show (laughs) is that part of your job description to to know where food is at the end of the night strictly speaking no but it just depends as well because if we're going somewhere that doesn't and you know let's say we're staying in a hotel that's in the middle of nowhere I do try to warn people like you do know that like we will come back to the hotel and there's not going to be anything open and what do you do in that sort of situation Sue because that for me is the hardest part of touring it's like you've gone the whole day you've probably got off a plane gone to sound check then you're still in the venue you 
do the gig and then you finally get to the hotel and you think, I haven't eaten very much today and there's nothing open. Bob Hill used to be principal clarinet said, basically, you go out the front of the hotel, turn right and right and you get to a bar he always said hopefully an Irish one <laughs> and then you hopefully you'll eat anything they offer sometimes you can happen upon amazing restaurants and they look like they're just about to close yes. and then 30 people walk in and want I don't know pasta or masses of beer or anything yeah. so but those some are the, some of the most poignant moments as well you go to a tiny restaurant and you get to know the the people there and they give you amazing food and you and you're really relieved because you're starving because perhaps you didn't have your banana that day well, or your I emergency know, sandwich. So, Oh, yeah, I've heard never to yeah. say emergency sandwich oh. to one of your musicians. <laughs> have you ever found an emergency sandwich like three days later in your back? Because that's happened to me and I've just gone, oh, no. <laughs> Do you know what? I think I get too hungry. I've never found an emergency sandwich. I've always eaten them before the emergency. I don't, I'm not yeah. very good at pacing myself. So we went out uh, in Japan... What was the, the Japan tour? Do you remember this, the first city? Was it Fukuoka? That sounds about right. I mean, I wasn't on the Japan tour, oh, okay. but, but yes. I think it was yeah. Fukuoka. Don't mention the... Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we went out after the concert. As you say, Yolanda, you know, we couldn't find anything. All of a sudden, stumbled across this tiny, tiny bar. Walked in there and we noticed they had a tap for beer and a tap for whiskey. So we thought, right, we're fine. Oh, wow. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, as the night progressed, then the lady would disappear, come back with some... For sushi or sashimi or fried fish or and then we had, ended up having a magnificent night oh wow we it's got up the next the day and all of it it was, it was four or five of, of, of my chums and we're like should we should we go back to the same bar tonight yeah let's go let's go back to the same bar anyway we went back to the same bar after the concert the second night and there was a picture of all five of us on the wall <laughs> <laughs> not with wanted underneath I hope no. <laughs> And we're like, yes, we made it. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I guess you must come across that. I mean, you've always either got instruments on your back or you're working in a group and people ask, what are you doing here? When they hear that you're with the LPO, do you really, you must get some sort of reverence because it's a very prestigious job. Well, I think in that instance, it wasn't anything to do with that. It's the fact that we had such a good night. <laughs> just a fun time. Actually, there were just some five weird Western guys, you know, who, who ate Drink five times lot. as much. And, yeah. <laughs> and, drank, and drank rather a lot. Feeling <laughs> profits for the rest of the year. Yes. <laughs> but we went back there every night with FA Four Nights or something. We went to this, and we got pictures of this with this lady and their family. That's and, lovely. You know... <laughs> That's such a Lee story. It is, I know, I know. I'm hanging out with Lee, I tell you, I've got, I've got bus, bus three. But can, I, can I tell a Lee story? No, Yolanda, yes, no. I, Because, you know, you're saying about packing and how you prepare, and generally, I think men and women, well, in my experience with my husband, they have a different idea to how many pairs of clean underpants you take on tour. <laughs> I don't know how it computes, but it's a really weird thing. Well, anyway, there's one tour, it's a long time ago. I bumped into Lee in the foyer and he was in a terrible mess. He said, I've given, he, he put all his washing in, he'd handed it in to be washed at the hotel, which I can honestly say I've never done. Yeah. And his pants came back half the size. Oh, so no. I don't know if they boil washed them. <laughs> so we walked around. Was it Dusseldorf? Dusseldorf, right, Lee, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. It was a two-week tour. was it, Frankfurt? It was two-week tour and was I took Dusseldorf? seven pairs yeah. of pants and I thought, I don't know, seven, wash, Se- seven. Yeah. And then 14. seven, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, honestly, to all of you, Lee, Grace and Sue, thank you very, very much for sharing your touring anecdotes. You hold nothing back, which I'm very, very glad about. And I think we all got a very good idea of what happens off stage at the LPO. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Sue Thomas, Grace Coe and Lee Sarmaklis for joining me across the internet today to talk about what it's like to be an LPO player. And if you want to get in touch, please do just use the hashtag OffstagePod. Do join me for the next episode of LPO Offstage, a deep dive into Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony. 